Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Look out there, out there is the perfect lap. You see it? I think so. Most people can't. Carol Shelby, maybe? Lee Iacocca, Ford Motor. Suppose Henry Ford II wanted to build the greatest race car the world's ever seen to win the 24 hours of Le Mans. What's it take? Well, it takes something money can't buy. Money can buy speed. What in about speed? You need a pure racer behind the wheel of your car. That's Ken Miles. We heard he's difficult. No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. How long we've known each other, Ken? I ever break a promise to you? I will put you in the driver's seat at Le Mans. If you just shut your mouth and let me do my thing. No. Whatever it is, Shell, no, trust me. Do you think you can beat Ferrari? Fucking try. All right. Morning, Shelby. Morning, Molly. I'm yours. I'll go to hell. the 24 hours of Le Mans for the fifth consecutive year. Mr. Ford, Ferrari has a message for you, sir. What did he say? He said Ford makes ugly little cars in ugly factories. And uh, he called you fat, sir. This isn't the first time Ford Motors has gone to war. We know how to do more than push paper. Go ahead, Carol. Go to war. Thank you, sir. We're gonna bury Ferrari at Le Mans. So the great Carol Shelby is gonna build a car to beat Ferrari with a Ford. Correct. And how long did you tell them you needed? Two or three hundred years? Ninety days. <laughs> Ford hates guys like us because we're different. Well, we heard he's difficult. Ken? No, no, Ken's a puppy dog. It's awful. If there's a problem, the computer will find it. Get some scotch tape and a ball of wool. What are they doing? Making your car faster. Oh, that's 
Well, hello, this is uh, Jackie X. You're listening to uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Anyway, don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com, and uh, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, where you can listen to all 200, and after today, 68 live shows. How about that? Good evening, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Hopefully, we'll have a good, <laughs> we'll have a great show, because I am sequestered someplace in a, in a dumpster somewhere in the middle of Florida, someplace. Yeah, you know, you're, I- you're, you're in the bat cave. I'm in the back cave. Yeah, to the back cave. To the back. Oh, we have, we forgot to play that. Anyway, um, what I want to do is I want to wish everybody a happy, happy Thanksgiving. We're only two days away. Happy Thanksgiving and happy, happy official kickstart to the holiday season. Is it really? I I always thought it was either that or I thought it was either Halloween or Thanksgiving was the kickstart to the holidays, and then it goes right into Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? They were they've been they've been celebrating. I've seen Christmas ornaments and Thanksgiving ornaments and Halloween ornaments already sometime in the summer. So, you know, if you were just visiting the United States of America, you probably would be confused, not quite sure what's what holidays are in what sequence. You know, so that's uh, anyway. All right, so we just got through Halloween, and now we're going through Thanksgiving, and then we will have Christmas and New Year's, and this will start all over again. But anyway, uh, all right. Well, hey, oh, we got joy. A, oh joy! <laughs> oh joy! We got a great show for you tonight. We got a very special guest. We're going to be talking about cars again. Okay, we're back on the car kick. Um, what else is new? What else is new? This is true. It is nostalgic radio and cars. Now, uh, if you want to find out where all the car shows are, definitely at least in the state of Florida, to go to flacarshows.com. Big shout out to our friends over there. This turkey ride run is this weekend in Daytona. Big swap meet. Last weekend was Moultrie, um, the Mason Dixon Christmas show. The Field of Dreams car show, the Villages car show. If you go to our website, or our website rather, I mean our Facebook page, I did go to, where did I go? I went to Field of Dreams uh, for a little bit. That was on Sunday. And I went to the Villages car show uh, all day Saturday, or part of Saturday. I'm trying to think what else did I do. Um, so the Windermere Concourse is uh, in two weeks, December 4th. And the week after that is... The uh, Palm Beach Concourse, which this year is going to be held at the Trump International Golf Club. 
that should be interesting. HSR, our good friends over at Historic Sports Car Racing, they've got their vintage car event this weekend. Of course, now this is the time of year. You know, you talk about it being the holiday season. But it's also, you know, when the fall starts here in, in Florida, uh, or Florida, um, usually right around the end of September, there's just like car shows after car shows on top of car shows on top of car shows. Also, last weekend, the Ritz-Carlton was the Festivals of Speed. I think in two weeks, they've got a big show down in Naples. So uh, they've got a lot of events going on. Our friends over there at, uh, at Festivals of Speed. And then... Uh, I think, gee, there's a couple Christmas shows coming up in December, and then it'll take like a two-week hiatus, and then everybody will be celebrating Christmas and visiting relatives and stuff like that. And then probably after the first of the year, second or third week, it starts all over again. Actually, what used to be in the um, in January, the I think around the second or third, at uh, Silver Springs National, excuse me, <coughs> National Parts Depot. Our good friends over there, Rick Schmidt and his dad, used to do the uh, all Ford and Mustang show at Silver Springs, which used to be a lot of fun. So they're not doing that anymore because Silver Springs has, uh, they're going through a remodel thing or something of that nature. Right, Bobby? You're over there. Bobby's over there coaching me. Um, anyway, so that's that. Um, so the, the car show this weekend, the Villages, was interesting. Um, they very often tend to make the news. Now, this is, I'm not sure if this is comical or not, or whether I should even discuss it, but it is kind of funny. Um, because, you know, the guys that work there, at the villages, you would be amazed at how huge the uh, car culture is. And um, so, you know, and it's it's amazing because the way they've got it broken down is, is they've got the residents of the villages. There's a big shopping center there. Um, and this is at, is it Spanish Springs Town Square? Is that what it is, Bobby? Okay. Spanish Springs Town Square. That was the first um, kind of part of the development there. And and the, the Villages is now encompasses 57 to almost 60 square miles. There's over 80,000 residents. It used to be one member of the household had to be over 55. No children allowed under 21 or something like that. I'm not sure. And teenagers or something. And now they've actually got, they've moved down. And they take up three counties. They take up um, Lake County, uh, Marion County, and Sumter County. And now in the Sumter County, which is south of where they started, they've actually got schools and hospitals and shopping centers and all kinds of stuff. So you can be under the age of the, well, children can live there with their parents now. So they've changed that rule. And the thing about the villages is it just basically provides everything for everybody. It's kind of, you know, you, I guess you could call it, it's uh, commune living at, uh, to the, to, 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 to the uh, millionth degree because they've got houses in there that range anywhere from 250000 all the way up to 25 to $3 million. So a lot of stuff. But anyway, the car culture, though, is huge. But it's so convenient for everybody, and you've never seen so many golf carts in your life. And the golf cart business in in the villages is amazing by itself. I mean, there's guys that I know over there that have uh, custom golf cart shops, just like we have custom car shops. And they take those golf carts to the new level, just like the guys with the Harley Davidsons and they modify their Harleys and they put, you know, an extra ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars worth of chrome on the bikes and, and bag them and drop them and do this and do that and go through the motors. Well, the guys do that with the golf carts, too. They're mostly electric. So they jazz those little electric carts up. And, you know, they're, they're pretty much street legal. 
And some of them will run about 35 to 40 miles an hour, which is pretty fast for a golf cart when you think about it. You know, and they only have one set of brakes, and they're on the front, I think. I don't remember. I got to look. Um, I know we have a little golf cart. We have a little club car, but ours is gas-powered because I like ass. And, um, but at any rate, the uh, the villages is kind of an interesting camp. But the, I, I was amazed at how eclectic the car club is. And the other thing I'm amazed at is, is, is um, how serious a lot of those cars are that show up there. Not everything, you know, like in any car show, but a lot of the cars that show up there are pretty doggone, to use the term, tight. Tight, I guess you could say. I mean, they're they're tricked out. They're they're not. They're you know. There's there's some high dollar pieces over there, and uh, and the guys that have them, a lot of them are pretty serious car guys. You know, and then there's a lot of original cars. There's a lot of foreign cars. There's a lot of exotic cars. There's a lot of luxury cars. There's uh, so you know you might see anything from a 1959 Facel Vega, uh, a 1965 Austin Healey, a 1962 Jaguar E Type. Volkswagens. My friend shows up with his Mini Cooper. He's got a couple different ones, and he's actually got a left-hand drive one. Came from Italy, and uh, I was parked next to a Trans Am on one side of me. There was a guy with a really nice '68 Camaro convertible on the other side of me. There was a guy that had a '65 uh, Ford Fairlane, kind of jacked up like a gasser. Really nice-looking car. There was a Willys there. Yeah, they have some fiberglass street cars, and they got some really cool. Um, some steel-bodied um, fat fender cars. Um, the Model A Club was there. The Model T Club shows up there, and uh, and 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 they and everything runs. So it's pretty cool. I mean, and then in the square, they 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 have a really really great great band that plays music. People are dancing, and uh, it's just like it's it's really old timey. So it's really cool. So if you've never been there, it's the third third Saturday of the month, and um, and usually in the fall, you know, September, October, November. It gets going pretty good. January, February, March, it's like really good. And then as soon as it starts getting hot and the snowbirds start going back, you know, then uh, then it gets back to normal. Anyway, that's a pretty cool show. Um, Field of Dreams was pretty cool. There's probably 150 cars there. Nice car. Again, just a real eclectic miss. A lot of foreign cars. Our, our local British Car Club was there, so they had a lot of, again, Jaguars, MGs, Triumphs, Heelys, stuff showed up. But then there were some street rides. And I ran into one guy that had a car that kind of caught my fancy. And that was a 1972 Torino. Now, what was made this car kind of interesting, because I have a 72 Ranchero that I've had, GT, that I've had since high school. But this particular Torino was a rare Torino because it was not only was it a Q code, which is a 351 Cobra Jet, but it was a factory four-speed car. And, and to make it even more interesting, it was a factory four-speed car with Ram Air, factory Ram Air setup, which is hugely rare because they only made – I don't know. Somebody told me maybe 100, 150, 200 cars that actually came through with that, and then they discontinued that, uh, the Ram Air setup. So I don't know. I don't. I, I've never really researched. But the car was a stunning car. He had magnums on it, 15 by eights all the way around, which was kind of cool. 255s on the front, 275s on the rear. Car had good stance. Um, nice car, a local car. I didn't even know the car was a Ram. First time I'd ever seen the car to show. So you know, you do see some unusual stuff. There was another guy there that had a 78 Z28. Brought the car down from Connecticut, factory four-speed car, factory yellow. Nice, nice, nice car. Your usual array of you know mid-year Corvettes and C3s. You know, 68 to 72 cars, chrome bumper cars, of course, and uh, just some really nice stuff there. And um, you know, the 57 Chevys are always there. A couple of 57 Fairlanes, pickup trucks. One guy had a real nice uh, old Hudson pickup truck, which kind of unusual, nicely restored. Done something like the car was restored. The truck was restored in in the 80s. Held up very well. Nice job. Anyway, on that note, I think what we're going to do is Matt. Why don't you go ahead and fire up the stereo? 
then we'll get our guests on the line, and then uh, we'll give them a call, and uh, we should have a pretty exciting show, because we're going to be talking about automotive design a little bit tonight. So, uh, hey, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I think uh, Matt's going to queue up something from Jesse Collins. We do. We have it all set to go. And uh, they used to be, oh, I uh, can't think of the name of the band right now. But anyway, um, the Youngbloods. Okay. So this is a song that I kind of like because this Jesse Collins used to live in Marin County, which is where I'm from. And I think the name of the song is Ridgetop, right? Is that the one we got queued up? Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, I, I, I won a prize. I won a prize. Okay, throw me a fish. Anyway, all right. On that note, we're going to play some music. Don't touch that doll. We'll be right back. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your show host, Robert, again. Um, it's time to introduce our special guest. Um, the gentleman, well, you know, I always ask people, how do you want to be introduced? And this guy was very modest. So he says, just introduce me as a car guy, musician, and an author. Okay, so that's what he is. <laughs> so he's a car guy, he's an author, he's a musician, hey, but he's very special. How anyway, you, so buddy? I'm delighted to welcome the show this evening, Patrick Kelly. Patrick, are you there? I am, buddy. How are you? All right, pretty good. I didn't mean to bleed over you there, but anyway, um, uh, it worked out. But that's, hey, this radio, and you know how that goes. It's live, and anything can happen. So you're all the way out there in my home state of California, and you're out there on the beautiful Pacific Coast, not too far from a few doorsteps, or, yeah, shoe steps from, uh, from, from Santa Cruz Bay, right? Yeah, you bet. We're a little bit south of Santa Cruz in a little town called Aptos, and we're in a little part of that called Rio Del Mar. It's great. 
see the ocean, get to dig the ocean. Um, it's a dream, man. Loving it. Well, super, super. Hey, let's give a big shout out to your friend Kevin or our mutual friend Kevin Kaczynski because Kevin was, Kevin's been on our show before. Kevin kind of, uh, and I stumble on him on Facebook. Not that I'm a Facebook hand or anything like that, but he um, always came up with these really cool drawings and renderings of uh, stylistic cars out of the late 50s, 60s, and sometimes the early 70s. So somehow you were able to put together a collection of these um, very treasured renderings, these very special renderings of the, by these car stylists out of Detroit, out of the big three, and you in the process, I guess, have put together a book. So I'm going to let you tell the story. I'm just going to sit here and listen. So you give us uh, your background on this whole um, uh, car design. Now, what I did is I've actually, on this computer where I'm at right now, I've actually got Kevin's website up, which is Automotive Design and Concept Rendering Proposals and History Pre-1980. So says joint group. I'm pretty sure I'm already in that group. But nonetheless, um, go ahead and let's, uh, tell us your story, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, so also a big shout out to Kevin. Uh, Kevin has forgotten more than I'll ever know. And uh, he's my go-to guy whenever I have questions on who this artist is or what's the story. He's encyclopedic uh, uh, memory and, uh, and a good friend. And I always look forward to seeing him when I come out to Detroit. Uh, anyway, uh, my story on this is uh, basically I have uh, amassed a large collection of automobile concept art, uh, the original drawings from uh, Big Three and others, uh, all original uh, sketches ranging from 12 by 12 inches to 6, 7, 8 feet long. And I've been collecting these over the last years. I'm lucky to find... Uh, some here and some there. And uh, I made a trip out to Detroit one day to to see the Eyes on Design show. It was an absolute stellar car show. And uh, at the show was a booth of the uh, retired automotive designers. And I had done a small show in California at a brochure that had uh, some of the images that I own uh, around the museum. And I showed these uh, fellows and one delightful lady uh, what I had in the brochure, and uh, their teeth almost fell out, because these were images that they had drawn years and years ago and had given up for lost. Uh, 98, 99% of everything that got drawn back in the day in all the studios, all the companies, was destroyed either purposely or uh, on some occasions by a uh, water flood, uh, this and that. Anyway, uh, make a long story short, uh, they were quite enthusiastic to know that I actually had these pieces in my possession and uh, were uh, enjoying their lives on my wall at home. And uh, we, uh, we saw the emotion in them that... Uh, but they didn't know any of this work still existed. They thought it was all gone. So my wife and I decided that uh, we had to do something else and keep all this material here at my house or in file cabinets. And coincidentally, uh, the good people at Dalton Watson Books uh, heard that I had this collection and offered me the uh, possibility of doing a book. And that uh, <laughs> gave it some 
big surprise because I've rarely written anything in my life. But we did, uh, we had a, a, a book that was launched in 2019 uh, called Imagine, and it sold out. It's uh, now the secondary market. It's a lot of money. And uh, they had good success with it. Uh, I had an amazing editor, Jody Ellis, always so smart and funny and helpful, uh, guide me through this process. And then we did this last book, uh, the second book, actually, not last. I think we'll do more things. Uh, this new book is called Imagine 2, Towards the Future. And we launched that this year. We've been down at Pebble Beach to sell and show, out to Detroit for the Eyes show. And then we just came back from... Uh, Hilton Head, a tremendous show, got great reception, sold all the books we had, and, you know, so um, I'm really happy with this collection. I love the books. They are awesome. Uh, (laughs) There's a lot of information in them, a lot of fun, and uh, you could do worse by uh, ordering one of these things. Anyway, I'm a lucky guy. I'm lucky to have this. I'm lucky to know the designers. They've become friends, and we're going to just keep doing this. <clears throat> at the time when you met some of these people on at the uh, Eisen Design, which is generally usually around May, and um, which is a pretty amazing event, I've I've talked to Steve Pasteiner, Pete Brock, and a couple of the guys, uh, Kip Borsenko, all former designers with GM, and um, they've always said, Robert, you need to come up there. You need to come up there. And I, it's technically it's one day, but it's overall it's a three day event because there's other stuff going on, which is pretty cool. And so when you encounter these people and you talk about um how many of these designers did you actually run into that you actually had their 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 drawings and they were presumed lost or didn't exist anymore and what was their reaction well they they were incredulous because they were certain that this work didn't exist they were sure it was gone and scrapped and burned. And, hey, <laughs> you don't have anything to show your kids, nothing to show your grandkids what you did over the years. Anyway, so they found out that some of this work uh, escaped uh, being destroyed or scrapped, and they were overjoyed. I think uh, we made some good friends that day. Uh, they saw things in my eyes that there was a way to get this work out there. And when we decided to do the book, I think they were really happy. Uh, and many of these uh, guys and my one dear gal uh, have become fast friends, and uh, we stay in touch. Uh, nobody's getting any younger. These guys are in their 80s and uh, upwards, and uh, but we've become real friends. And now what they're doing is really cool. They're sharing stories of back in the day with me. And the stories are fascinating. Uh, you, you go through this point in time in design and uh, realize these guys were, and these guys and women were amazing artists, amazing artists, and very unsung. Nobody knows who they are, with very few exceptions. So this was one way to kind of not get them on the map, but give them a little bit of recognition as much as I could do at this time. Uh, we might do some other things, but uh, right now the book's uh, as good as I can do to, to pay these people some uh, credit. 
You mentioned men and women. Um, I'm, I've got Kevin's uh, Facebook page up right now, Automotive Design Concept Rendering Proposals in History Pre-1980. And there's a picture here of a and when I say rendering, so people understand what a rendering is, those of us that are, and I, at one point I wanted to be an architect, so in architectural and design, even in engineering, renderings are basically sketches, but they're colored, um, detailed sketches, sometimes exaggerated just a little bit or embellished, but they're really <laughs> cool artwork, okay? And generally you see it in automotive design, you might see it in furniture design, and obviously with architecture. But this particular one, it looks like, I'm going to say a 67 to 71, 70 Cadillac Eldorado. It was done by a lady by the name of Joan Claytill. And Joan, Joan I don't know. Creamer. Pardon me? Yes, yeah, so this, this is, uh, sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Joan Claytel Creamer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yes, uh, Joan Claytel Creamer. Uh, funny that we're talking today because I just talked to her probably three hours ago. She's no kidding. Busy. Yeah, smart, funny, and so creative. And this is her story. She was the first woman at GM that was able to design exteriors for Cadillac and other uh, parts of GM. Really? Up until that point, women were relegated to doing interiors or accessories or maybe color or maybe this or that, but they were not allowed to do exterior renderings or sketches or drawings. And she was the first one to really bust the ceiling uh she may not have broken it completely, but she really gave it a great whack. And she's a dear, dear friend. Uh, uh, and and having her in some of this stuff, she keeps saying that it gave her a new uh, lease on life, that people are starting to pay attention to her a little bit more. And uh, so if that's the case, boy, that's that's terrific. She deserves it. Well, I mean, it, it, again, this rendering, you know, it, it jumps out at you. And it's really, really cool. And that's what... You know, I mean, just like you said, they were amazing, amazing artists. Now, I, you're also into music, so am I, right? So you play guitar, and now your thing is singing. But what people so often don't realize is that very often a songwriter may have written a song, but it was sung by somebody else. A mu the music was written by somebody else and played by by the people that we all see on the on the radio or hear on the radio or see on TV. Well, it's the same thing with a lot of these renderings. People don't know who these people are. They're people in the background, but they're so important. And the fact that you can write a book, bring these people to the forefront, and then that they get this recognition, and the fact that they're still alive and they can still um, experience that recognition, th that to me is 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 speaks volumes. And and it's great that you're doing that. I mean, my hat's off to you. Um, tell us some some other people like that that you run into that you were um, that just had e equally as as unique of an experience with uh, one of the big three. You bet. Well, um, you nailed that. That's exactly what the point of these books are and uh, will keep being. And uh, so I'm really glad that comes through. Um, we were just talking about how nobody knows how anything is made anymore. Uh, you had to start with some imagination, uh, hence the name in the books. You had to start with that kind of thing, and uh, everything had to be designed. People think uh, that things just show up, you know, from the Amazon truck. And uh, <laughs> the, uh, the days of, of drawing and sketching and creating are, 
or Uber. Uh, they're far from it. Anyway, there's um, I've become uh, really good friends uh, with uh, a fellow named uh, George Camp. He was really the first one to greet me when I came out to uh, to see Eyes on Design. I just had a tremendous time with uh, Bob Gurr. Uh, oh. Bob Gurr uh, being the Disney uh, genius and design expert. Um, all the things he's done at 92, the guy has got a brain like a steel trap. Nothing gets by him. He's smart. He's funny. Uh, and again, I'm hoping that we can work together on a project that might be coming up. Uh, he's an amazing guy. Uh, John Manugian, uh, tremendous Dave McIntosh. Uh, I got to meet Sid Mead right before oh. he passed, which was a dream day. Uh, he died shortly after. And uh, Bill Mahalik. So we've got a very cool thing that's going to happen next year. We've been invited out to uh, Ferrari design by a fellow named Flavio Manzoni. And he just happens to be the head of design at Ferrari. And he wants us to come out next year. Uh, a couple of his images are in the book. So we're not exclusively <laughs> American, but mostly uh, 99% Flavio's genius uh, at Ferrari right now. I think uh, it's a really good time for them and a tremendous time for him. But we've now, just met a ton of people by doing this. And I'm, I'm so, so very grateful. Is this now going to Modena to Ferrari, or is this a, a an expedition? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. This would be, this would be to Modena, probably next September. You lucky guy. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, meet me out there. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let me ask you this: since we're talking about foreign car designers a little bit, did you ever run across Jay May? Since you know he did the original Beetle, the new version of the Beetle, and then he also was responsible for the new Mustang, and he. Camillo had his hands in the Ford GT, I think, but may may have had a little something to do with it. Um, but going back to these 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 um, guys out of the '60s and '70s, there's another artist here by the name of well, it says the Bill Schmidt Studio, and I'm looking at the car, and it looks like a modified '70 Riviera. Now, for a lot of these renderings that you have, outside of being in-house at the big three where some of it because bob also worked outside bob Gurr. he also worked outside of general motors he worked for a private um design studio so are some of those renderings you got from like this bill schmidt studio is this outside of general motors uh yes exactly uh schmidt had uh, a number of designers working for him he did a lot of work himself very talented great guy but he also took on people that were talented and uh, could draw as well as he. So these, you know, when the when the big three times were done for a lot of these guys, their brains don't stop. They still have ideas. They still want to design. I've got my friend Ken Venley here uh, down the way from me in Palo Alto. He's 86 years old. Uh, I challenged him to start sketching again, start drawing again, Ken. Come on. I know it's in there. I know it's in your head. You want to get it out on pen and pencil. And I'll be damned if he didn't. And uh, there's a chapter in here that has some really good images of Ken designing in 1954 at Art Center College. And then again, last year for me and for this book. 
<laughs> wow. Wow. Um, there's another draw rendering here on, on Kevin's uh, Facebook page, and it's called the Firebird One. I don't doesn't exactly say who designed it. I'm thinking, I'm trying to read down here. But I'm looking at that car, and if you recall, the AMX2 looks very similar to that car. And I don't know if there's a correlation between the designers. Um, it says designer Harry Bentley Bradley, who designed everything from plastic model kits to full-size street rods. So he may have. And then there's another GM designer. Well, Dave Crook, I guess it says here, was the builder. But when when did you ever have the discussion with these guys? When they sat there and did these renderings, was that just their basic job description their job was to design the cars and just do renderings or did they actually do like you mentioned you've got some of these that are six feet long back in those days they had giant boards and everything it was you know taped to these the board paper was taped to the boards and they did the renderings on there and it, was that their sole function and to basically come up with with concepts successful designs and, and that's where it was at, or did they go beyond that? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, today I was just talking to a fellow named Dick Razine uh, that was a GM for a long time, and uh, Dick was responsible for a lot of cars. And it kind of depended on your skill and, and who was above you, who your boss was. If they wanted you to sketch, if they wanted you to stay in some kind of parameters, you know, just keep drawing. Or do I want to employ you to help maybe do some more? Um, think about engineering. Think about maybe helping model this up, maybe bring it to a bigger prototype scale. And Dick did that along the way. Uh, his bosses, uh, Bill Mitchell and others, saw that he could not only design, but he could engineer and was smart enough to do that. Not everybody did uh, or not everybody was asked. But Bob Brewer was another one of these guys. He said, look, you know, it's cool that I could design the monorail for Disney, but guess what? I had, the mon I had to make the monorail exist. I had to make it fast and cool and safe. <laughs> God help it if, you know, something happened to that. So he had that, ex that expertise as well, not only to design and sketch, but to help engineer everything from... Uh, the little cars you ride around Disneyland, you know, to uh, to the Matterhorn and uh, submarine rides. He did all that stuff. Just genius. Absolute genius. There's a, a, another rendering on here, and I'm just going to throw some names out at you as I'm kind of scrolling yeah. through here. Concept uh, art by, and this looks like a Chrysler deal, so Robert Ackerman, is he still around? Yes. And Bob, it looks like he's yes. a, a Charger 70, 71, 72 Charger. Yeah, Bob Ackerman, uh, tremendous, tremendous designer, uh, just really one of the best. Uh, really, some incredible works, though. Um, another guy that was obviously well known, and I think it was with Ford. Um, was it um, Richard Teague? I think he was with Ford, wasn't he, for a long time? Or no, man, he uh, was with Bob, Bob Teague. Bob Teague, I believe, uh, was. Uh, was more um, AM, AMC. Okay. Uh, but I, I don't know him well. I'm not the guy. Okay. Well, it's funny because I just now scrolled up. Remember I mentioned about the AMX2 and the Firebird yeah. 1? They look very similar. Yeah. 
Well, when I'm reading in his little description, I'm just doing it real quick. He actually had connections with General Motors, Packard, Chrysler before becoming vice president of design at General Mo at American Motors. You're absolutely correct on that. So there could, you know, the, these guys all, you know, they all basically went to the same bar in the evening or had lunch <laughs> at the same restaurant in the afternoon. So I'm sure they all palsy wowsied and said, hey, look, you know, what are you working on? Oh, what am I working on? I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And I'm sure that's, uh, you know, because a lot of the cars are very similar and, and designs and, and engineering kind of carried over. So, uh, oh, but, yeah, you're right. Uh, it's good perception. Your questions are smart, and you're perceiving this right because uh, they had to. They had to have something keeping keeping them going, something to drive them. You know, their bosses had to challenge them. Uh, if you just want to sit there and and do uh, you know design cornerings or uh, wheel you know uh, hubcaps, that's a whole different cat. But these guys. Uh, they wanted to design, and they, if they if they didn't get what they wanted there, they'd go someplace else, uh, and they did often. So they moved around. Uh, somebody might want to grab this guy because he's smart as a whip, uh, and then there was a lot of loyalty. And you know, these guys stayed thirty years at GM, thirty five years at Chevy. You know, blah blah blah. That uh, this is the way it was, and they have pensions and lives you know, in and around Detroit to enjoy. And, uh, uh, you know, the stories are, are really fascinating. It's a great time. Well, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, that, that some of them designed a hubcap or something like that. We had Bob uh, uh, Jack Talnack on, right? So he was head of design for Lincoln Mercury. And he said when he started in Ford in the late 50s and when they came out with the Mustang, he says, I can take claim the fame that I designed the first hubcap for the 64, 65 Mustang. You know, and and when you look at someone with that kind of talent, and this is where I'm going to go with my next question. So let's just um, uh, say Mrs. Kramer, for example, when she designed some of that stuff for Cadillac at the time, how long did it take her to and how much freedom was she given to conceptualize? And what was the time frame from start to finish before she came up with a rendering? And and what did what what did the manufacturer allow her? What did the design studio allow her for a time frame? Well, that's a really good question. Uh, again, because uh, Joan was one of one, you got to remember, she was the yeah. only woman there, so she had uh, probably some expectations that were maybe a little harsher than the other boys. Uh, maybe they didn't uh, smile on her quite as. Uh, uh, Easily, or maybe they did. Uh, is a delightful woman, uh, tremendous personality, sweet as can be, super, super talented. She would not have gotten that job if she wasn't. So um, I think it depended a lot on uh, on the personalities, and it oftentimes depended on how much the boss liked you, uh, whether we're going to move up, we'll get you out of hubcaps, and we'll get you into something else will start moving you up through the ladder because I like what you do here. I see the future. Uh, they had to do that. They had to try and see the future. That's what all of this stuff was about. And that's a, that's a tough thing to gauge, uh, tough to gauge the, uh, the buying public. What are they going to want? Hey, that hubcap that, the, that the, he designed for Mustang. Iconic. You look back now, anybody that sees that hubcap, you know exactly what it is. That's a design that's last forever. 
So it's, uh, you know, sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. But obviously with that one, it was out of the park. Let me ask you, okay, let's talk a little bit about the book. So you said you had help with a publisher. And so take us through the process for you to write the book. So in other words, how's, in other words, let's say I know nothing. Okay. I, I wasn't even good in composition in, in, in school, but so if you're putting a book together, there's the layout, uh, there's pictures, there's text. take us through the process a little bit. So myself and our listeners can kind of get a feel for what you, what, 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 what how you contributed to the, to the, to the final, um, book. Sure. You bet. Well, um, so this is my second book. The first book um, was done in 2019. So let's talk about this new one because it's a lot more fresh. So I have these images. I have them all here with me. Uh, and I'm trying to think of how we can put some things together to really show um, show the best foot of, of these designers and also talk about some other things, some other uh, issues. Uh, you and I, I believe, are, are similar ages. We grew up thinking we were going to have flying cars, and we are going to have robots, and we are going to have this, and we are going to have Jetsons World. I mean, our, our dads told us that, and we believed it. Uh, we don't ever have that. So uh, a lot of the uh, first third of this book deals with whatever happened to our future, the future that we were promised. Uh, so there's Motorama cars in there. There's a lot of flying cars. Uh, there's a beautiful thing on the Jetsons. Uh, anyway, I, I wanted to try and tie it all together with where these guys thought the future was going back then. So with the, the images that I put in, whatever happened to our future, going into this is what we think the future is going to look like, designing in 1930, 40, 50, or 60, this is what we're thinking. And I thought it was kind of a nice uh, combination. Uh, it rolls out really well. There's some uh, articles on some of the art schools. Uh, there's this beautiful thing on the Jetsons with a pullout. I've uh, got an amazing uh, Ed Welburn uh, forward. Uh, Ed's just a genius designer and a heck of a guy. Uh, photos of my concept toys and models, big prototype sculptures and so it's got a, it's a it's a big book. It's 456 pages. Uh, it weighs a ton. <laughs> it's hardcover, and uh, it's a it's a heck of a thing. I'm really really proud of this. So okay, so then when when you uh, is your book primarily is it pictures and some text, um, or is it a lot? Is it is it kind of like a fifty fifty? I mean, how's how's the book kind of laid out? So in other words. Since we're on radio, you have to kind of paint a picture here. So I'm trying to get a visual. You got it. You got it. So the, the I would say it's probably about a 30, 70 uh, text versus image. It's mostly image driven. And that's, that's what I wanted. The rest okay. of the commentary is uh, my thoughts and uh, articles about uh, oh, I put in my dad's card because it was a fascinating time for me. It meant a lot to me. It started me down this goofy road of cards and and putting the books together. I never realized my dad was a car guy. He was. He was just he was just a different guy. 
than the others. And uh, he brought some crazy cars that cracked me up, so I write about that a little bit, write a little bit about the Jetsons, write a little bit about uh, uh, Motorama and flying cars. And then the rest are it's mostly images, uh, and they're really well done. The uh, color's great. Uh, it's, I'm, I'm really proud of this one. Who, um, how many pages in the book? Uh, 456. Jeez. And there are 600 images that have never been seen. There's over 130 artists represented. Uh, so this is, uh, the last book was, I believe, had 80 artists, uh, maybe 400 images. It was about 100 pages less. Uh, I just couldn't stop. <laughs> interesting, interesting. So the, uh, um, uh, I'm kind of running out of questions here. I'm trying to, in my mind, I'm trying to, when you, how, all right, let's do this. How long did it take you to put this book together? Because you said you had help, and the reason I'm trying to do this is because I've been thinking about putting a book together myself for a long time, and mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get some ideas. And I know there's other people out there listening that are probably going, yeah, what else involved in putting a book together? I mean, people don't realize how, how difficult and how complicated, how time-consuming, and how committed you have to be. So take it from there. Yeah, yeah you bet. It is a labor uh, for sure. This happens to be a labor of big love for me. Uh, it's a little bit surreal when I look back at it now because I've forgotten how hard it was. Uh, you know, I basically have all the images, uh, drawing and, I mean, uh, writing and uh, doing some of the forwards and the other articles are, are pretty straightforward, although I've, I've never been a writer. Uh, these two books are, are my first uh, foray. Uh, to do it, um, the folks at Dalton Watson were tremendous. My editor helped me an amazing amount uh, putting things together. She is extremely positive, uh, encouraging. Yeah, try that. Hey, that's a great idea. I love that. I got somebody who can help with this. So I had to send her, and I did all the photos. All the photos in, in, in this book are, are done by me. So if you like them, great. If you don't, you can blame me. I think they turned out good. So it's photos. It's sketches, uh, it's all the, uh, the writing about each individual piece, so they're all uh, labeled as the size and media, uh, what they're, they're done in, uh, their names, and their little brief bio on all the artists. So tying it all together is the key, and I, I think it works out really good. It's not easy. Um, you have to start writing stories. Uh, you have to run it by other people, and sometimes people will go, Oof, no, don't do that. Don't put that in. And uh, so strong shoulders are, are another real uh, big attribute. You have to be able to take it to somebody who says, yeah, I don't think so, or nah, that's, that's not that good. But uh, honestly, we've had uh, tremendous reception uh, in this country and a ton of Europe interest uh France and Italy and UK, uh, because they never saw any of these images. I mean, you think we haven't seen them here? They there was no chance, uh, other than somebody like Michelotti or uh, some of the great Italian designers that, that picked up things or had uh, you know work with GM or some of the other companies. They didn't get these things. Nobody did. Uh, all these images that are in this book are almost uh, totally unseen by 
by anybody. So we got to figure out a way to get the work up and out uh, live uh, some way, somehow. And uh, that's going to be kind of the next goal, how to, um, how to get this up on maybe museum or show walls for people to actually see what it's about. It's much better live. Well, there's no question about that. And on that note, we are up against the clock. So, Patrick, if people want to find out more about you, more about the book, and how to get these books, how do they go about doing it? Yeah, great. Thank you very much. So, my, I, have a, uh, I have a website. It's called www.automobileconceptart.com. It's automobileconceptart.com. That'll take you to preview the book. You can buy the book there. I'll sign it and ship it to you. It's all from me. So it's really great. I'd appreciate it if people do it. Uh, they have dedications, all that. So we're on Facebook as well, a lot. And, uh, hey, this has been fun. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Well, super. Well, now, you know what? We're, we're up against the clock here. But, Patrick, can I, can I get you to come back on? And what we ought to do is we ought to get Kevin to come on with us. How about that? It would be my pleasure. Love it. Super. Well, Kevin, you take care. Hey, have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we're just about out of time here, but I want to thank you again very much for coming on the show. My special guest this evening, Patrick Kelly. Um, a total book on design, Imagine and Imagine 2. So, uh, Patrick, you take care, and uh, we'll be in touch. And, and, and I'm still interested in that guitar hanging on the wall, that blue Mustang um, competition model there. So don't let that go anywhere. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about music the next time. Thanks too. so much. You have a great Thanksgiving. Right. It's been a real honor. Thank you, buddy. All right. Thank you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Hey, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Wedding Cards. Don't touch that dial because we'll be right back. No, we won't. We'll be back next week. And uh, in the meantime, everybody have a great Thanksgiving. I want to see some of the car shows. A lot of stuff going on. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on all our social media. In the meantime, everybody stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family.